Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Joel Johnson, certified financial planner and co-founder of Johnson Brunetti, serving folks throughout Connecticut and Massachusetts. The author of five books, including The Money Map and Forced to Retire. You've seen him as a published author in Forbes, The Wall Street Journal and The Hartford Business Journal, as well as as the host of Better Money on Channel 3 on the Sunday Morning News with Kara Sunland. Joel, what's happening? How are you this week? Doing fantastic. I think it's going to be a great show today. We're going to talk about the glory days. Oh, how we sometimes like to get nostalgic, especially as the kids grow up and leave the house and we get ready for retirement or we're in retirement. Uh, I certainly know that nostalgia is fun to indulge in. And uh, we're going to talk about the difference between the glory days of retirement planning, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, and what's different today. Other thing we're going to talk about, and the second segment of the program, is lazy money. Do you have lazy money? Do you have money that's not working for you like it should? And sometimes we have lazy money because we don't want that money in the market. We want to keep some money safe. We want to keep it on the sidelines. But in today's interest rate environment, it's not necessarily earning anything. So we've got a great information-packed show for you today. Of course, later on, you'll have the opportunity to give us a buzz, set up a time for your own one-on-one consultation. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, grab a pencil. You might want to take some notes here, enjoy a cup of coffee, and let's get into the glory days, John. Well, since you called it that, let's uh, talk about that time of your life when you could bench press 350 pounds and you ran a four and a half minute mile. Oh, uh, that was never me, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I've heard tales of your exploits. Maybe that was more with the guitar, though. Uh, those were your glory days. But Maybe so. Let's, uh, let's talk about the glory days from a retirement planning perspective. Obviously, it seems like when we're talking about past generations, in a lot of ways, we have things much easier today, right? With the internet and Wi-Fi, you know, Google Maps is free and it's terrific. Uh, Past generations had to get the trip tick from AAA when they were going on a trip. But there are a lot of things that past generations actually had easier, especially when it comes to retirement planning. So let's talk about some of those glory days and why it's actually a little bit harder to plan a retirement now. Starting with fewer people have pensions these days. There are a lot fewer people that have pensions, and a lot of people that have pensions, the companies that you work for are trying to buy out those pensions. In fact, I just wrote a book that just came out. It's on Amazon. It's also available through our office called The Lump Sum Pension Buyout Decision. And I wrote it just to specifically address the situation where if you have a pension, that company is probably trying to buy it out. And the bottom line is most people today either don't have pensions or those pensions have been modified or frozen. They're not accruing benefits anymore. So what it just simply means is we're on our own a little bit more. You know, back in the day when I think of my grandfather who had a pension, um, my dad doesn't have a pension, but I know of uh, uncles that have pensions. One uncle that worked for the State Department, United States State Department. Um, my other uncle was a general. They, they all had government pensions where they knew they were going to get their Social Security every month. Uh, they were going to get a cost of living on the Social Security, cost of living increase, and then they had their government pension that was guaranteed till they die. And you didn't, you know, usually between those two pieces, you have four, five, six, seven thousand bucks a month coming in, even more, of course, if you're retired as a general, 
and you don't have a thing to worry about. Well, these days, that is not the case. And the younger you are, I'd say especially if you're under 50 years old, but even if you're between 50 and 60 years old, you're on your own a little bit more to supplement that pension because a lot of times that pension has been frozen. So, you know, count yourself fortunate if you have a pension. Most of the time now, if you have a pension and it's still being contributed to, uh, you will tend to be either an employee that works for an insurance company because insurance companies still have pretty good benefits or either the federal government or a state or municipal government to have pensions that are being contributed to. But if you work for a private company, you certainly will not have as generous a pension as you would have if you were working there 30 years or so ago. So be careful with that. Don't overestimate the value of that pension. Make sure you're supplementing it with good savings in a 401k. Longer life expectancies are nice in a lot of ways, but they do present a challenge to today's retiree. It was actually easier to plan retirements when People didn't live as long. Well, that's absolutely correct. It's interesting you say this because we have a client event for all our uh, clients where we manage their money coming up. It's a closed event, not open for the public. If I have 360 clients sitting there in a room and I'm talking to them, it's a high probability that at least, at least 70 or so of them will live past 100 these days because of medical technology, uh, because of the awareness that we have about food, nutrition, fitness, and so on. So what does that mean to our money? Well, what it means to your money is you're going to simply need to not only have your money last longer, but have the ability to keep up with the cost of living. So these longer life expectancies, although our quality of life is better if we're paying attention to our health, fitness, nutrition, we've got to combat that positive with the fact that, hey, it might be a negative because you've got to make your money last longer. It takes better financial planning. Today's generation of retirees and pre-retirees has often been called the sandwich generation, and that's because very often they're taking care of the generation ahead of and behind them. They're taking care of their parents, sometimes financially. They're taking care of their kids who are maybe having trouble getting started in the real world. So the sandwich generation makes it harder to plan retirements in today's day and age. That's correct. And it's it's real, you know, there's an emotional element to this. Some of these things are easy to look at from an analytical standpoint, but this, this part is tough. And I'll just think about my mom and dad. And uh, as, we, as we talk here on the radio, John, my mom is about to have a birthday. Uh, she's going to be 83. My dad, the following month, will have a birthday. He's going to be 81. They've saved money, even though they came back uh, from being missionaries when they were in their early 30s. Uh, they've saved money so that they're okay for retirement. But if there is a long-term care situation, you know, me and my brother have already said we don't want them to have to go to a nursing home, so we'll probably end up helping take care of them. And, you know, even if a nurse has to come into the house from time to time and so on, there's going to be a high cost there. Well, you combat that, you have that going on with at the same time, I have two kids in college right now, and I have a junior in high school that's going to be going to college. So for the next, uh, let's see, six years, I will have at least two children in college. So I've got that going on also that, uh, that we're helping out with, we're paying for. And so it can be a real strain as Wendy and I, uh, in our mid-50s, approach our retirement coming up in 10 years. So this is why they call it the sandwich generation. So we're squeezed in between these two different issues, one our parents and the other our kids. And we just have to be careful. Um, those of you that can relate to what I'm saying, you have to be careful that you don't impoverish yourselves, completely impoverish yourselves, uh, by taking care of your kids and your parents. And at the same time, there's this need and maybe even an obligation to take care of 
our parents. I don't think there's as much of an obligation to take care of our kids once they uh, get into their 20s. But I really believe uh, from a moral standpoint, and this is just me, I'm not judging anybody else, but I, I want to make sure I'm there to take care of my parents if they need me. So it can cause a strain on your future financial planning, and it just needs to be addressed through a good financial plan. There is hope. There's a solution. It just needs to be addressed. You need to tell yourselves the truth, maybe get a second opinion, somebody that's seen this happen, as we have to other clients, and uh, figure out some strategies and so on to minimize the damage if there is going to be financial damage, and also make sure that you don't give so much of yourself away that you end up in complete poverty. We're talking about the glory days, how retirement planning used to be easier in many ways than it is now. Joel, what about the issue of more takers than contributors to Social Security? That may not actually be the case right now, but as more baby boomers retire, that's going to be the case soon. Well, that is actually correct. And, you know, we we hear this talk about Social Security trust fund and money being set aside. Well, well, that's not the way Social Security works. The way Social Security works is right now, as I work, I pay into Social Security for the benefit of the people that are taking the money out of Social Security. It's a pay-as-you-go system. And so what is going to happen in a few short years is there are more people that are going to need Social Security benefits because of this baby boom generation, 76 million baby boomers that are all going to be retiring, collecting Social Security. And there won't be that many people paying into the system. So there's a shortfall in Social Security. I should say there's not enough people paying into the system. There may be more paying in, but the benefits that are being taken out are, are much more than the benefits being paid in, if that makes sense. So so we've got this problem, this actuarial problem. And you know, how do we address that problem? Well, there are certain things we can control and certain things we can't control. We can't really control what the government's going to do, whether they're going to fix this, whether they're going to collect more from the workers to pay out the benefits, whether they're going to mean test the benefits, which means if you done a great job saving, you might get less. I don't know what the solution is. I just know it doesn't work the way it's going right now. There are going to have to be some changes. So we've got to have extra money, whether it's pension or extra savings, to offset the possibility that your Social Security might get cut 25 to 35%. It probably won't banish, but it could get cut. And so you've got to make up that income in the future from other sources. And then one final thing we should mention here under this glory days heading, Joel, is interest rates. You know, people loved to put money in the bank and get 12 or 13% interest. Well, retirement planning is a lot harder when you're getting a percent or less. Well, that's correct. And, and 12 or 13% was probably too high, uh, historically speaking, much higher than average. And 1% is much lower than average, historically speaking. We'd like to see those CD rates back around 3 to 4%. I think that would be real healthy for the economy. They're not there right now. And so what's happened is people have taken more risk than is appropriate by trying to reach for return or yield through maybe uh, loading up on a little bit more stocks or stock mutual funds um, or uh, leaning towards high yield bond funds. And we just have to be very careful of that. It's important to stick with your asset allocation, maybe lower your expectations for long-term returns uh, instead of reaching for or taking more risk to create more yield. Now, what this really comes down to is you've got to have a retirement income plan so that you know what rate of return you need. Some of you have reached for risk and you're not, you don't even realize how much risk you're taking, folks, because the market's been going up and interest rates have been so low. So nobody's really been hurt by taking a lot of risk over the last few years, but that will change. I promise you that will change. It always has. It always will. There will be a 20 to 30% drop in the market. And uh, as the saying goes, you know, when the tide goes out, we realize who's swimming naked. 
It's a saying from Warren Buffett. That's not me. Um, but uh, when the market goes down, we'll realize who's taking too much risk. So we don't mean to depress you with some of these changes. We're, we're highlighting some of the negative changes, the pensions, the longer life expectancy, the sandwich generation, uh, social security and low interest rates. But we've got to be aware. We've got to tell you the truth on this program so that you have the opportunity to, in some cases, wake up. That might be a little strong. In other cases, just refocus on making sure your retirement plan, your retirement income plan, and your investments are appropriately allocated to meet your needs. I want to give you the opportunity right now to come in and make sure that your retirement planning meets your needs, uh, that it's goals-based, that it's not just uh, somebody talking to you about how they can pick better investments, but that you really have a plan in place. You've got a retirement income projection and a rate of return that you know you need. Uh, You've got a plan that's based on your goals and your wants and your dreams and who you care about and the organizations that you care about and so on. And we want to do that for you. And if even if you already feel like you have that, we want to give you a second opinion. It's important that you get a second opinion. Even if you never plan to do business with us, make sure that you're on the right track. We call it our Money Map Retirement Review. Consists of three things. It consists of a retirement income plan, a stress test on your portfolio based on your risk. We'll give you a recommendation if you're on the right track. It's a really neat system we built. And then last but not least, that one page money map, that one pager that shows you exactly where you stand. It's great to share with kids, your spouse, and you can know exactly where you stand and what our recommendations are. We call it that money map. So call now to get that. It's free of charge. There's no obligation. I promise you as the leader of this firm, there's no pushiness. When you come in to see us, we're here to serve you. We've been blessed. We don't need to pressure anybody. We want to help you with that money map. So for the next 12 callers that call 1-800-705-1232, that's 1-800-705-1232. Come on in, get your money map retirement review, sit down with one of our advisors in one of our convenient offices, probably one real close to you. You'll be glad you did. I promise you the experience will leave you better off with more clarity and confidence towards your future, whether you ever become a client or not. That's totally your business, but I want to help you with that money map retirement review. one 800 You'll also get a copy of Joel's book, The Money Map, when you come in for your visit, 800-705-1232. That's 1-800-705-1232. This is Money Wisdom. Joel Johnson is co-founder of Johnson Brunetti. He's a certified financial planner and the author of five books, including The Money Map and Forced to retire. Joel, you mentioned earlier in the show, lazy money, the concept of lazy money. Explain what we're talking about when we say that. Lazy money. What does that even mean? Well, we mean money that's sitting around that's not doing anything for us. You know, there's money that we should have in case of emergencies. There's money that we should have set aside where if you're still working, you really should have about six months of your living expenses set aside. And that needs to be available for you at any time. Um, the other advantage to having that emergency money that we call it is, uh, you know, car repairs, home repairs, things like that. Well, we're not talking, we're not calling that lazy money. That money is okay to have at the bank. Lazy money is other money that we have sitting around that's just not earning a good rate of return. It could even be in a brokerage account, in a Fidelity or Vanguard or Merrill Lynch account, but it's just sitting in cash or it's sitting in short-term government bonds and just not earning anything for us. So that's what we mean when we say lazy money. And we're going to give you some areas to think about when it comes to your potentially lazy money and then what to do about it. So be sure you don't have that money laying around like 
the lazy son-in-law or the nephew who just doesn't want to get a job. That's not what you want out of your dollars. Joe, why is it that people sometimes end up with too much lazy money in their portfolio? It often seems like maybe they don't intentionally go about trying to have that. Sometimes they do, but why is it people find themselves in that situation? Well, there's a few. One is they've gotten burned in 2008 and they retreated to cash and they don't want to put that cash back into the market. And especially right now, you know, when the market has reached now all-time highs, records on the NASDAQ, records on the Dow, records on the S&P, people are going, boy, it doesn't make any sense now to put the money in. I should have had it in maybe two or three years ago and have a nice ride up. But now if I put it in. I might be just investing when it's about time to go down. So that's one reason is they've gotten burned before. They just know enough about the market to think trees don't grow to the sky and the market doesn't just keep going up. So that's one reason is they don't want to lose the money. Um, they might be gun shy about investing in general, not even thinking about the ups and downs of the stock market. Just, they just like cash. They like money sitting in the bank and, and they're scared either to be taken advantage of possibly by an unethical stockbroker or advisor or uh, they're just gun-shy about investing in something they don't know. Another reason would be they don't trust the markets. They don't trust government. They don't trust big investment companies. They kind of think that you know, they're going to get taken advantage of, as I mentioned earlier, or they just think that all companies out there, including the government, is out to kind of rip them off. That might be too strong of a word, and people don't necessarily say it that way, but they might kind of think that, hey, if I give the money to Goldman Sachs or Merrill Lynch or or uh, you know, an independent investment advisor, they're going to take an advantage of me. So that might be another reason for lazy money. Uh, the other is they haven't been paying attention or they just haven't had any sort of plan or guide to investing. So the money is just sitting there, again, in either banks, super short-term bonds, where they're just not earning enough interest to even keep up with inflation, which right now is probably around two and a half to three percent. So Joel, maybe you can walk us through some real life situations. How do you help people who have too much lazy money? They recognize it, they acknowledge it, but at the end of the day, they're hesitant to make any changes because they've gotten used to that safety and security. Well, I think and think of a couple, and I was just visiting with one of my advisors, Doug, this last week, who uh, has just a, a wonderful uh, couple that's new clients uh, for us, and, and uh, they're so pleased that um, we've been working together now for about two or three months. But when they came to us, they sort of had this barbell. We call it the financial barbells, where on one side they had uh, the company stock and, and a huge amount of their net worth, maybe 25 to 30 percent, was in the company stock of the, of the woman. She was an executive at a company, and then the rest was in mutual funds and so on, up to about 50 or 60 percent. And then the rest was just in cash. So they had this barbell approach where it's real high risk on the one side of the barbell and then no risk and actually losing money on the other side of the barbell. And so they're trying to limit the downside, but really it's a very, very inefficient and quite frankly, a scary investment portfolio because they're either going to get a ho hit a home run because they're overexposure to that company stock or they're going to get wiped out or, or just you know really have to change their lifestyle in retirement. So what we did was we helped them find investments that limited the downside. So they still have growth potential. We diversified them on the stock side, but also on that safe money side, didn't necessarily make that money riskier, but we used different types of investment accounts and financial products where they could get a high rate of return safely. And when I say a high rate of return, a, you know, a four to 5% rate of return instead of almost zero that they were getting before. And uh, they're just so happy. We haven't increased their risk profile. We've actually decreased their risk profile. And probably with the decreased risk profile, historically speaking, 
thinking um, based on investment theory and so on, they'll get a higher rate of return. Now, this couple had the right instinct. They knew they were taking so much risk by having so much exposure to that one company stock or even a few stocks in general, somebody might have. And so they had the right instinct saying, well, we better offset that by having all this money sitting in cash. But in the case of them, we were able to take that cash money again, get a higher rate of return and decrease the risk while still keeping a healthy exposure to that company stock. Also, by the way, putting things in place on that company stock where if it starts to drop, it automatically gets sold. It's almost like we've, we can automatically through the computer and software systems at our custodian fidelity lock in their gains. So it's a pretty neat thing we were able to do for them. Um, but they were right. They knew they were taking too much risk. So here's a simple situation of they were parking that money in cash. We had a much better solution we were able to help them with. The other thing um, that we've been able to do many times is help people understand the timeline of when they need the money. See, a lot of people in their early 50s or mid 50s, they have this lazy money setting around, but it's money that they plan to use for retirement. They're not going to need it for 10 years. So there are all kinds of different strategies, investment products that are out there where you don't have to take high risk, but you can set that money up over the next five to 10 years to earn a reasonable two to three, maybe even three to 5% rate of return, again, without that full-blown exposure to the stock market. So just to back up a minute and talk more about this whole concept of, of lazy money as we bring this subject to a conclusion is many times the instinct that folks have, the instinct that the investor has to have some money sitting in cash or sitting in lower yielding instruments such as short-term government bonds is correct. The instinct is correct. I don't want to have all my money exposed to the market. But what they do to solve that need of not having everything exposed to the market is they just become completely inefficient with that money. And again, you're going backwards, folks. If you're not at least earning enough to after tax keep up with inflation, which means you've got to pay the tax on your interest plus keep up with inflation. If you're not at least earning enough to do that, you're going backwards. And that's why we call it lazy money because it's hurting you just like John said, the the brother-in-law living in your basement or um, somebody who doesn't want to get a job that you try to help and no matter what they do, they're they're doing the wrong thing. They're they're just bad with their financial decisions. Well, you're kind of doing that with some of your money. Uh, I'm not saying you're being lazy because many times the instinct is correct. So what's the solution? The solution is to construct an overall financial plan that gives you a firm understanding of how each dollar should be invested. We all have different dollars. We have long-term dollars. We have medium-term dollars. We have short-term dollars. And then we have those emergency dollars. The emergency money is the only money I want you to have at the bank, folks. I don't think it makes sense especially in today's interest rate environment, to have more than that emergency money at the bank. Your other money, even if it's short term, even if I mean one to three years, should be put into something where you're at least earning a halfway decent rate of return. And many people, for their long-term money, they should be allocating across different asset classes, have a nice diversified portfolio, knowing that there are always going to be times when something does well and something doesn't do well. But if we have a portfolio, we've always got some things that are doing well, and we're reducing our overall risk, knowing that over time, markets have always gone up if we're just patient enough and diversified enough. And that's what it takes to build an investment plan. But that investment plan needs to support an overall financial plan. By the way, the biggest reason people make mistakes in their investment portfolio. There's two main reasons. One is they get impatient and make changes too quickly. 
just before something good is about to happen. Uh, and the second is they don't have an overall financial plan, so they're just investing for the sake of investing. Their investing isn't trying to reach an end, and they're unclear about the end, like a good retirement or a good retirement income plan. So, folks, with that said, wow, we've covered a lot of things on the show today. The, the thing I want you to take away from it, whether you're worried about lazy money, whether you're thinking about the fact that it's not as easy to plan for retirement as it used to be, whether you're in retirement and you're wondering if you're on the right track is there's hope. There are solutions. We can help you with those solutions through our unique process by doing a risk analysis on your portfolio, making sure that even if you have lazy money, you're not taking too much risk on the other side of things. And what's the proper blend? Secondly, that retirement income analysis, that income analysis that shows you if you're going to have enough, so that you don't run out of money, so that you don't have to reduce your lifestyle if you eat the right foods, exercise enough to be blessed to live a super long life. You don't have to just reduce your lifestyle uh, as a result of living too long because you didn't have the right investment plan, you didn't have the right retirement income plan. We want to make sure that you're not going to outlive your retirement, and we can help you with that. And the last thing is that one-page financial plan. It's all called the money map. We want you to call now, get it from us, Call the number 1-800-705-1232. Take advantage of coming in and visiting with one of my team in one of our offices. 1-800-705-1232. Terrific opportunity if you're retired or getting close to retirement. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800-705-1232. We're up against the clock, but always appreciate you tuning in. And Joel, we always appreciate your wisdom. Well, thank you, John. And thanks, folks, for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for being with us every single week. And we'll talk to you again next week. Right here, same time, same place on Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents in all appropriate jurisdictions.